I was sort of um, thinking during the week, I was, I was looking at some funny things, and um, I wanted to share something with you this morning. Um, it's funny what we do in churches, and um, we sometimes are so serious and intentional and with all the good, the right motives, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I just want to share with you a little thing. So, Zeph, if you want to throw that up and just meditate on this for a moment. The longer you look at it, the funnier it gets. And um, how true is that, though? I must admit, my kitchen got a far better reception than what you just gave me right now. I think we're going to have to maybe warm that up a little bit and show you a few more, just so you know you're allowed to laugh at these things. But anyway, I was literally crying when I was reading that and the more I looked at Jack Black's face and his moustache, I'm just like, that is so Christians, isn't it? You know, someone's coming up, they give you a word, you say, hello. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'll find a better one for you next week, just so, uh, you know, we need to shake a little bit of stuff off sometimes. But uh, anyway, God is good, isn't he? I want to read you something that may just be for one person. It's not really what I wanted to share today. But on the back of that uh, amazing uh, applause and laughter, I think this might be a good way to go. Psalm 62. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And isn't it interesting, the things that life throws at us, some things that we never dreamt we may have to tackle or look at or face or believe for, but we do as human beings, we have to face all sorts of things. And some things other people may be able to help us with, some things we have, may have to battle through alone. But in every single thing, he is our fortress, he is our fortress, and it's in those depths, it's in those dark places, it's in that loneliness or whatever that situation might be that we really find out how powerful that fortress is, how powerful we really recognize that relationship that we have with our Father, that desperate connection that we have with the divine because right now here, what we can see this morning is, is flesh, isn't it? It's just all flesh and blood. And flesh and blood can only do so much for one another. We can help one another. We can share. We can love one another. And we can do as much as we can. But there comes a time in our lives where we can only rely on the divine. That is the unseen, mysterious, heavenly realm that we need faith to believe for. And then we recognize that there is such a greater fortress than anything we can see or touch around us that is our Father's house. It's our Father's heart. It's our Father's love and affirmation for us. It's our Father who stands for us when no one else will. It's our Father that says, you will not be shaken, even though you feel like you're being radically shaken. His word over you, which might seem crazy at the time, is you will not be shaken. And there's times when 
sometimes we just need to really, really dig into the last resort because nothing else has worked. And this is where I think, uh, not that the word of God is the last resort, but sometimes we try everything else in our own steam, don't we? And then he says, my, fo- my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now those words, I will never be shaken, may be the exact opposite to how you're feeling right now. Whatever you're going through this morning, those words may seem like you're a hypocrite. Because it may not in reality be physically what you're seeing and hearing and even speaking over yourself or over your circumstances. But his word is stronger than what you declare. His word has stood the test of time. His word was here before the beginning of creation and it will be here till, till everything's wiped out. His word remains. And he says, I will never be, fo- never be shaken He is my fortress. And that may be something that this week you might need to recite to yourself. And these are things that I do sort of when I'm praying sometimes. You know, I just go to little passages like that. Sometimes we might feel guilty because we don't read mammoth chapters or whole books of the Bible at the time. But sometimes in doing that, we miss the simple things, don't we? I will never be shaken. It is a powerful, powerful phrase, isn't it? I will never be shaken. This situation will not overtake me. This financial crisis that I might be in will not shake me because he is my fortress, not my finances, not the doctor, not anyone else. Jesus Christ is my fortress. So we go back to that place and we dig from his treasure chest, his inheritance, and we put into our bank account something that is his, but he's given us the right to do that. He's given you free access this morning to his treasure chest. Free access. It's amazing, isn't it? We don't ha- you don't have to uh, do anything to gain his approval as a son or a daughter. You've got it already. If you're in Jesus and you believe in him and you've received him, then you're a daughter or a son of the Most High. Higher than Tony Abbott, would you believe? Higher than Barack Obama, would you believe? Higher than the European Union, or any, he is the king of kings. So all the kings that we see around us, he's the king over them. And he even puts them in place, the Bible says. He gives them their authority. Even the bad ones. Even the parties we don't stand for. God, for some ordained reason, he allows them in power. It doesn't mean he endorses everything that they say. But he is the king of kings. And maybe, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your, you know, your lecturer at university or whatever it might be who just seems to be the ruling person in your situation. Well, he is, he is well, well, well below, he or she, well below the king of kings. And it's only the king of kings that can give us the inheritance that we need today that we need right now, this morning. No one else can give that to us. As good as it is to receive inheritance from our natural mother and father, um, not that we might be in the manual line up for much, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, Brett knows what I mean. But anyway, uh, it's, it's a manual joke. We honour our parents, by the way, but 
I just feel we needed a lightning up for a moment. Our trust is in our inheritance from a heavenly father, our heavenly dad. And it's available right now. We don't have to wait until we die. Because he already died. He already did what normally has to transact. Someone has to die for inheritance to be released. Well, he already did that so that the kingdom inheritance could be released upon us, his sons and daughters. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High. Isn't that good news? I think it's really good news. Yeah, give him a round of applause this morning. I want to share, um, that was like the preface of something, but um, I want to share this morning on the slow revival. It wasn't a lot of excitement about that. I I, I didn't expect a lot, to be honest with you, because... um, it's not a term that five years ago I would have bought the CD off. I would have thought, man, if you're preaching on that, that's not what I'm after. But anyway, I want to read from a very, very typical passage, Ezekiel 47. You've heard it many, many times. But I want to read this with the phrase, the slow revival in your head, okay? So anyway, um, Ezekiel is taken and he's shown by an angel, uh, a vision, if you like. And here we go. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw the water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me at the outside and the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. So here we have the temple of God or the presence of God or the kingdom of God and we have a river, uh, we have a, a trickle beginning to flow from the temple in various directions and Ezekiel is seeing this as a prophetic picture of the church. And as the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through the water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through the water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but it was now a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one would cross, could cross. And I have read this and preached this and believed this to be completely prophetic of what God is doing with the establishment of his kingdom here on earth and the releasing of his love and power all over the earth from the time Jesus came. And, um, and when we see particularly in Pentecost the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we see a depiction of an outpouring from the presence of God all over the earth in every direction and it gets deeper and deeper. And so I fully believe that and will continue to pray for his outpouring and his increase of his kingdom, the depths of his water level to rise and for everything like that. But what I have come to um, get a grips with if you like and maybe it's because I'm 40 and getting old and I know some of you say oh you're not old but anyway you know I don't mind being 40 okay I'm okay with that and I won't mind being 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 or 120 either but here's the thing that I think will help us for a bit of a key for a moment if we look at this prophetic picture the uh, the man measures off a thousand cubits 
between increments between going from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep and then too deep so he couldn't cross it, right? What we're not really told, you know when you get a revelation from God, you get a download or maybe you get a dream, you literally think the next day it's going to happen, don't you? Or if not the next day, you think this is going to happen imminently within the next week or two. And so you're looking for it. It might be a person that you haven't seen for a long time and you just have this dream about them. And so even in the shops, you're looking for them and you go, this dream is going to come to pass. And then a year later, it hasn't come to pass. Or maybe an encounter with God here on the floor when someone prayed for you or somewhere you've had a download, you've had something that God's imparted to you. Because it's the divine, it's very, very impacting. When the divine meets our nature, it shakes us and it really rocks us, doesn't it? And so intrinsically, it's human nature, I think, to then believe and almost feel it so strong. It's like, okay, when's this thing going to happen? When's this going to happen? And I think it's really, really helpful to realize it's not, it's not to stop hungering or anything like that, but to realize that we often get the revelation, but we often miss the timing. And so here in Ezekiel, it's interesting, and, and this has been preached at river conferences for decades now, this particular verse, and nothing wrong with that. But what I've never heard anyone say is, there's a lot of distance between a thousand cubits. Between ankle and knee is a thousand cubits. Are you with me? It's, it's a little bit of distance, isn't it, right? And we could go back and find it exactly how far. But it's not just a couple of meters. It's not just like, you know, boom, 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 boom. There's a season or a time in between ankle to knee to waist to chest to above head height. Whereas in a, a revival culture and even in a supernatural culture, which we're very hungry for and we keep asking the Lord for and we'll, we'll thirst and, and pursue, it's easy to, when we get to the knee deep, literally think that it's all got to happen now. Why? Because we finally realize that the kingdom of God is real and his power and his love. And so we, we almost force it to happen. And instead of seeing the thousand cubits, we want it in two cubits. We want it in our timing. And so what we do is sometimes we abort it because we push it out too early. And the revelation wasn't wrong. Maybe that prophecy someone spoke over you wasn't wrong. Maybe it was right. The word was right, but the revelation was right, but the interpretation was wrong. And so then through our weakness, we then can abort things. Now, the good thing about God is if it's his word, it will never be shaken. You might have aborted it, but he can bring it back to life. And that's, that's the good news, isn't it? And so I find that this is a... Um, you know, I'm sounding almost like a bit of an old man now, aren't I? Like, you know, come on, kids, wait, wait your turn, you know. <laughs> but this, this may just help one person this morning from aborting things with your revival space shuttle shooting off too early and blowing yourself up. Do you know what I mean? 
in the pursuit of the kingdom and in pursuit of outpouring, and there's nothing wrong with that, and we'll keep going for that. But did we put Jack Black back up there? No. <laughs> anyway. I'll get a funny one next week, okay? I promise. Does anyone, is anyone with me on, on yeah. Sometimes the vision can be waylaid, delayed or aborted by our own impressions of what God was going to do. And that can be a very, very frustrating season. It can be so annoying that you may almost, and in very few cases, actually do it, but give it all up. Just give it all away. Give it all away. Why? Because in the first place, we had the framework of what we thought it should look like and sound like and, and come to pass like. And the, but the, the revelation wasn't wrong. I, I want to encourage some of you. You heard from God. You heard from God. Let him bring about the measuring stick. Not you, not your agenda, not how much money you want or how promoted you want to get or how popular you want to get. But let him measure out the distance between knee and ankle because every one of those things is a promotion. And it may feel like a demotion, but a demotion in the natural can be a promotion in the kingdom of God. Because then we realize, and we've learned a bit of this in losing some money over the years, we, we watched it disappear and we realized, wow, now we're going deeper. Now we're going deeper. Because it makes you invest in the kingdom in a greater way than you would otherwise, because you need it. And it's like survival mode actually saves us from a whole lot of things. I'm not getting another photo here. I'm trying to get some notes, okay, so you can relax. Another Ezekiel passage that is very, very popular, and um, we would have all probably read it many, many times, is Ezekiel 37, the Valley of the Dry Bones. And, um, I mean, I, I, I love it. It's such a prophetic analogy. And, um, and many of us would have prayed through that, and we still will, and we'll, we'll release the word of God over whatever it might be in, in prophetic declaration. But, you know, it takes years to actually build an army. It's an army that rises up, right, in that passage. It takes years, sometimes even decades, to raise up the generals and the leaders of the army and those, you know, the elite, it takes decades, Warfare, the art of warfare and all this sort of stuff. And this picture that he sees rising up, it, it, in our minds, we automatically think it's instant. But prophetic things that happen in seconds in biblical times have taken generations to come to pass. When the promise was given to Abraham, I mean, it was the revelation was like, God, now bring it on. Where's the inheritance? You know, he, he, in the natural, he probably started pro trying to procreate to bring about the promise, right? And so, you know, you can see sometimes we can try to procreate the promise, but it has to be from the kingdom. Otherwise, we will produce something that we didn't really want. Do you know what I mean? The, the seed that we give out won't be the kingdom, but it can look like it, it can sound like it. Why? Because we can say, well, I got that promise. And do you know what I mean? It can, it can be very, very close. 
And that's why we need to be in tune with him to hear what he's saying to us. Do you know, I've, I've come to the realization um, over some years that a revival meeting is, or a conference is something we do. But a revival is totally something God does. And um, it's when we just relieve ourselves of having to manufacture a revival and, and even stir up, you know, everything and, and maybe stir up some things that don't even need stirring up, you know, because we, we are so hungry for, for what he's got. When we hear the voice of the Father, do you know, he loves and wants his name known in Adelaide more than we do. He wants people worshipping Jesus more than we do. But sometimes you would think it's the other way around. Because some, sometimes we can turn it and so turn our hearts to, to thrashing the kingdom of heaven into our atmosphere, which in the right spirit is not wrong. Get me on this, right? I'm not saying intercession, prayer, and going for it, because I, I do that. I believe in that. But sometimes we can turn it so much into our emotional desire for what we want to see that we can then put our own agenda on the kingdom of God. When the Father's saying, hang on, I sent my son for these people. Of course I want them to know him. So then when we look through heaven's eyes and we pray through heaven's perspective, we're praying from a position of authority. We're praying from the Father's heart. It's his heart already. It's not a new thing. It's not something we've got to, you know, educate the Lord on and another outpouring for the southern region, right? He, he is well aware of what an outpouring is. There's been many of them. And so this is something we just gather up the Father's heart. We get in his posture and his place and say, Lord, you love these people. You love these people. Jesus bled for these guys, for our neighbors, for our friends, for our family. He bled and died for them. So, Lord, let them know your love. Pour out your love on this city. Pour out your love on my neighbors. Pour out your glory and your miracles and everything possible that you can stuff into one person. Go on, give it to them. And so then it takes our striving out of it. Because many revivalists have burnt out in the natural when in the spirit they were accelerating well. But the physical body can only handle so much stress and strain and, and effort. Do you know what I mean? Spirit, soul, body, right? And our body is the bit we see. And we need to look after that even in a slow revival. So anyway, I want to get to that because I think that's the important word that God had for me to share. If I look at a couple of traits of past revivals, you know, uh, Azusa Street, um, you know, 110-odd years ago now, the outpouring in Los Angeles, which really has changed the face of Christendom all over the world into what we now know as Pentecostal charismatics. And, you know, there's something like half a billion Pentecostal charismatics in the world right now, which is the almost the predominant, if you like, in Christianity in one, one whole group. 
And if we look at that, then we look at Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the disciples, uh, upon those gathered, sorry, who are worshipping. And then there's one other move that, because we've been to Germany a few times, that I often think about, and that is at Hernhut, um, the Moravian revival. And um, if I look at those three moves, and you could pretty much look at a lot of others, and I think that these, these five things would be something that flow through all of them, or most of them, and that is they begin small. We often think that we have to get a mass crowd for either God to be pleased, or man be pleased, or us be pleased. When everything that I can think of began small, either in a manger, very small, no popularity, no success, no Facebook likes, no nothing. And so, you know, we can see here the kingdom of God is the opposite to the way the kingdom of man does it. And yet there's so much pressure from the kingdom of man to be bigger, better, to, to be more popular, even in Christendom. And if we flow with that, we will then interpret the kingdom through that agenda and we will give it out wrong. We'll give it with that agenda, not the kingdom agenda. The kingdom agenda is I don't care how big it is or how small it is, but is it true to what he said? And so the second thing that, that I think is really prevalent in past moves of God is prayer and worship and, and getting intimate with Jesus. Prayer and worship. When, when the people of God are regularly praying and worshiping, either together or in small groups or like we are this morning, Prayer and worship, when that is a paramount focus of a group of people, I think these, this is one of the signs that we're growing from ankle to knee or knee to waist. But if we just wait for the outpouring or the conference, you know, I think this is okay to say this. If we were to invite Heidi Baker and have her come next Sunday morning, this place would be so jam-packed it would be unstoppable. And then the week after that, it would be back to what it is right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we, and maybe we're growing in our pastoral heart a lot, <laughs> we want to build something that lasts more than one week. We want to build something that actually has a foundation more than just wanting a momentary high. Not that it's wrong. What any speakers or evangelists or apostolic leaders do anywhere in the world, it's, it's beautiful and we love it and we'll still attend those things. But what I'm saying is if the agenda of the heart is just to go and get something, instantaneously drive through McDonald's anointing, then it will not last and it's why revivals have died in this city when God begins to stir something. Why? Because we want another high. We want another high and maybe another high. Or maybe something's more popular down the road. And so we go check that out. Um, but this is anti-family. This is anti the kingdom of God. Which one of you as a son or daughter of any family member, when you see a family living better down the road, go and live there? Okay, some of you are thinking, I would have liked to. <laughs> I saw some of your looks, actually. <laughs> well, what you were meant to be thinking of, of course I would not want to go and live with the family down the road. I am my family. 
And no matter what you do, no matter what law is passed, your blood is your blood. And we have been saturated in his blood. We've been bought with his blood. Not with a better service somewhere else or even nice lights and things and all good stuff that we love. None of that is the kingdom of God, ultimately. It, it will fade away. We can't take it with us. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't counsel us during the week or help us or anything like that. It's temporal. We're still okay with it. I'm not going to be against it. I'm cool with that. But at the end of the day, we must be embedded into him. And when we're embedded into him, then our agendas are submitted to him. And then when we prophesy, it's pure because it's him, not us. And so our, what we can say is, or what we cannot say is very powerful. And then we don't have to have Jack Black looks all the time like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that, that was 50% that person's day and 50% God. Do you know what I mean? Roger, you are great feedback. You are really, he's, he's nodding away. He's, he's just good. I'm going to preach to Roger for a while. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good. Anyway, I better get through my list, otherwise we'll... we'll... Number three, a, a trait of, that I've recognized in past revivals, they're humble. They begin really, really humble. So small beginnings, prayer and worship is paramount. They're humble. A fourth one is there's purity and holiness. And it's not always sought after by us. It's not always sought after by the people who may be gathered together to pray. Because we only fully recognize that we need purity and holiness when the holiness of God falls or fills us or or confronts us. Do you know what I mean? And then we realize, oh my gosh. And so we begin repenting of things that before were okay. See, when God draws close in a manifest way, things that are okay now or were okay a month ago aren't okay anymore because he sets a new standard. He establishes the kingdom in a greater way in us. Why? Because he wants to take us from knee to waist. And maybe that took time to go from knee to waist. And maybe it wasn't an impartation prayer. Maybe it was someone who you trust in love saying, come on, get your together. Do you know what I mean? Being honest in love but saying, come on. No wonder you're going through the wash cycle over and over again because you're not submitted to anyone. You can't take counsel from anyone. You think you're God, therefore. Do you know what I mean? Because someone who cannot take a good loving word from another human being actually sets themselves above everyone else. And so pride becomes the fall. Remember, that's, that's biblical, right? That happened right back in the beginning. And so what actually began really, really holy and, and intimate with the Lord becomes more about me, more about me, more about me until pride takes it down. And so this is why, for some strange reason, God did, and we haven't got it right yet. We're not proclaiming to, to you know, have every T crossed and I dotted, but There's a desire for exploring, if you like. We're like miners right now. And we're just blowing up a few dynamite bombs around the camp to see what gold and copper and things like that are going to be exposed. So we're not proclaiming that we've got family or kingdom sorted. Do you know what I mean? But I'm throwing some bombs out there today and just seeing 
what gold comes to the surface. And the good thing is I think there's a lot of gold in this room. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of gold. But just let him explode you a little bit. <laughs> the fifth thing that, that I think is that I've seen in moves of God, and this is the one that I think God is really on for an, a lasting, a lasting release of his expression of his love for his bride and for those who aren't yet his bride. And that is a common bond among believers, or a word for it, even quite a popular word now, is community. And so we can see that at Azusa Street, this little huddle of community, people doing a lot of life together, and that's why often people do a lot of meetings when God's pouring out, and it gets closer and closer and closer. And obviously Acts chapter 2, we see them... We see them doing everything together and we see them sharing between. Why? Because when God's heart is poured out, the selfish disappears. We become selfless and we can see the needs of others and he begins to pour out through it. And that's just the heart of the Father, isn't it? The Father's heart gets released. And so then we begin to operate in a different realm where it's not so much about what can I get, what can I do, what me, 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 even though we may have needs. It's like, wow, the kingdom of God gets expressed through us and out of us to those around us. And that's, I think, the exciting part. That's why, even though we will still do conferences and have great speakers in this house, I don't get so super excited about that anymore. Because for me, it's about what happens after that. What depth has been deposited in our hearts together, corporately, individually, with your families, your neighbors, or people that you, your work colleagues? What's deposited for that realm? Because if it's just for this realm, and, and we can bake and shake and make all, all we like, but it must bear fruit. We need to be fruitcakes. <laughs> uh, that was weak, but you laughed at that more than the Jack Black thing. I mean, come on. It's a funny thing that God will often even pour out in the way that we want him to. Now, bear with me here because there's two ways you can take that. If this morning or this week, Wednesday night or whatever it was, if, if we go a certain way and ask for a certain response and, and pray in a certain way, we will, we will achieve a, an amazing thing and God will pour out and he will operate through us to our level of faith, to our level of understanding, to our in English. Do you know what I mean? He uses us as his vessels to release the kingdom. Therefore, the more of him we really need, lest we make a move of God a move of man. Do you know what I mean? If we don't have his perspective on it as a heavenly father wanting to release his blessing and his love and his anointing upon his people upon us and if we are if we have a certain amount of us in a move of god then it becomes a move of man 
with a little bit of move of God in it. But we want to turn that around and see the kingdom of God released. Despite how we may be feeling, despite how popular it is, despite how popular it isn't. Do you know what I mean? When he is the agenda, when our heavenly father is the agenda, we can operate safely in his household. Because our eyes are fixed on him. We're not trying to please that person or, or pay the this, this month or get something out of these people. But we're looking at our Heavenly Father saying, do what you want to do. And, you know, in Australia, um, I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago, I think this is fair to say that the renewal that God was doing in the last 20 years has, and, and get me rightly on this, okay, um, has dried up. It's dried up. And I don't mean God stopped moving. And I don't mean God's heart isn't for outpouring. But what I mean is if we try and beat the rock the same way again to just get the same outcome. And Karen and I were talking on this yesterday. This is her wisdom, right? She would say it, but she doesn't want to. <laughs> it wasn't an attack. She's, she knows what I mean. But when we try to achieve something, even as good as our efforts might be, we might be beating the rock a second time. And the water, God doesn't like it doing it a second time. Moses beat the rock. The first time, water flowed, fed everyone like a river. Boom, water went out. And everyone had water and they were happy. The second time, Moses forewent the promise Because he stepped into his agenda. He stepped into man's kingdom, man's revival zone. I want revival this way. It worked like that last time. Bang. And God said, the promise is no longer yours. You know, you're not going to see it. The good thing is God passed the promise on to one who would be obedient. And so I think the message for us in that is we must hear the heart of God. Hearing the heart of God for us, for you today, for your finances, for your relationships, for your promotion or non-promotion, your work situation. Hear the heart of God, not the heart of anyone else, not even your mortgage or any situation that may be pulling on you right now. Hear the heart of God for your solution or for your situation. Because Often it's that slow revival that he's doing under the surface. You know, waves on the top of the surface get all the glory, but all the action happens well below the seabed. You know, very rarely is a, is a photograph taken of under the seabed saying, you know, six-foot amazing crystal barrel wave just coming up in about five minutes' time. But that's what's happening under the, under the surface. You know, the seabeds heading up like this, maybe on a sandbank, the water and all the emphasis and the swell out in the ocean. It's all happening way out there. But no one recognizes it until it becomes a wave. But it won't become a wave unless it's had all of that swell and undercurrent. And that's the slow revival. It's deeper. It's, it's, it goes deeper. 
than just the wave of an outpouring or just the wave of a service or just the wave of, a, of an encounter with God. And we believe that. We believe for that. We'll still pray, even this morning, over people, and we'll go for that. But it's the depths this week at, at the slow revival that he builds in us that prepares us for the outpourings. And I, I think this may be a little bit of a key as to why revivals die. Because the wave crashes and it crashes against the, the, the sandbanks and the outpouring of God and the miracles, signs and wonders and dramatic um, exploits that God does in outpourings. And we love that and I read about it all the time and hunger and thirst for that. But I've realized that if that is just it then we're actually just going after the fruit of the heart of God, not the heart of God. And so we've got to go one layer deeper, which is in the depths of his heart, and capture his heart for us. Then the revival remains. Why? Because the outpourings, you know, the splashing in the shallows, so to speak, that we glory in them and we bask in them, but the slow revival keeps building. The slow revival keeps building, the heart transformation from one to another. And when we gather as a people and we recognize that it's only by his blood that we're adopted into his family, but for some reason we're family. We may not look the same, talk the same, live the same way, but he's, he's made us like a family. And when we recognize that, we don't reject one another when we have a difference. We accept one another. And we see past our differences. And we say, well, hang on, I can't divorce you anyway, even if I wanted to, because we're now of the same blood. And so then we recognize, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off. It takes a whole lot of pressure off. It's like, wow, okay, let's do this kingdom family well then. And let's have a great time on Sunday or at the conference. Let's go for it. Let's receive impartation. But the slow revival continues, irrespective. Why? Because that isn't the pinnacle. He is. And then, then he expresses through us this heart transformation that begins to bond through us. And we begin to recognize that the kingdom of God operates through people. And sometimes through really weird people, like Jack Black. It's like, what? God, you're even working through them. And wow, do you know what I mean? But then we give each other grace because we are brother and sister. And we are, and it doesn't mean we're going to all be around at Marty and Karen's every night of the week. You know, but at the end of the day, there's a kingdom relationship. There's a kingdom relationship that says, I believe in you. I see you. You have amazing things to do for the kingdom of God. He loves you. He sent his son just for you. And he has an amazing calling and destiny for you and I. And if we can do this thing together, we're going to be a whole lot more powerful. And if we can all do this thing together, you imagine, you imagine if three cords cannot be broken, how much can a few hundred? It's, it's like staggering. And so then we begin to realize that the slow revival, really, one of the keys is us. Us. The slow revival takes place amongst us. And it, the, the enemy knows this. 
It's why he divides people, he divides the church, and he divides churches. Because if he can get in the way of proper family happening, he knows he can create divorce. And a house divided will not stand. But when he comes against a united force, he cannot do anything. He cannot do anything. And we can easily just blow in his direction. Why? Because there's so many of one heart under the authority and the headship of our heavenly father. And we say, get your hands off them. Get your hands off them. That's my brother. That's my sister. That's, this is our family that God's given us. Let's do this thing. Thank you, Roger. <laughs> You are like the prize pupil today. <laughs> Let's stand. Grab hands with the person next to you. Thank you, Jesus. Here's a thought for you, just as you, as you mull on that. Encounter must lead to transformation. And this transformation leads to fruit. When others eat of the fruit, they want its source. Encounter must lead to transformation. When we have an encounter with God, we then almost need to spend twice as long as what we may have encountering Him just asking him to give us the wisdom and the revelation and the understanding to know what to do with the encounter. Otherwise, I'll blow up. I'll implode. So we then say, Lord, I've encountered you. I've seen you. I've heard your voice. What do I do with this now? What does it look like for me? How can I pour that out in an expression of the kingdom, not an expression of Marty? Because I want him, not me. And I want others to drink of him, not of me. It looks different. He sounds different. But he is the ultimate transformer. If you like transformers, he is the ultimate transformer. Because he transforms us to make us look like him. And so, Lord, today, I pray that you may deposit in our hearts something greater of the kingdom that leads to transformation, that leads to transformation that we may become so Christ-like. Somehow, the depths of you may become the depths of us. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, it's the greatest thing you could do today. Don't leave it aside. Don't leave today without committing your whole being to Jesus because he died for you. He's washed away every sin. He's washed away every hurt. He's already borne your sickness and your sin and your pain. It's all his. All we have to do is come into a recognized state of saying, Jesus, I want you to be part of me. I want everyone just to pray after me and... Uh, most of us here have already received Jesus, but I just sense that it's a good opportunity to maybe for one or two just to ask Jesus into their life for once and for all and to recommit and to commit your life to him. So pray after me. Dear Jesus, I want you in my life. 
Wash me of every sin. Help me to turn my life around. I want to live for you. I want to know your love. And today, I give my life to you afresh. I thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you did that today for the first time or maybe a recommittal, I want to talk to you after the service. Do not leave today without coming and talking to me because I'm going to stand down the front. I want to pray with you and I want to make sure that you get the strength and the guidance that, that you need to be, stay strong and to grow. And um, yeah, I just want to pray one more time before we go and have soup and coffee. Um, one of the things about prayer houses that I've felt is that um, we've had encouragement from James Gole and Patricia Butzmar and people like that, encouraging us as a house to be praying, continually praying as much as we can. And so although we can't do it 24-7, it's one opportunity once a month to come as a church family, gather and pray. This is the slow revival process. You may not have outpouring every single time, but it's the slow revival that transforms a city. And so I want to encourage you, come Wednesday night, like Ryan said, if only one of you can come, be serious, be intentional about this. Let's get a little bit intentional as a church about praying together and putting that right up there on the priorities. And, and then I believe the slow revival of bonded hearts, united hearts, we gather together and we say, well, let's do this thing. Let's not play around. Let's do this. So, Lord, I want to thank you that we are such a blessed people. We are so radically blessed that it is ridiculous. Lord, I thank you that we live in a blessed city. We have a blessed church. We have incredible facilities. We have amazing people. You've provided for us in so many ways. And Lord, I pray that you may deepen us, Ezekiel 47, deepen us to a new whole level of the deepening heart of God, the transforming heart of God that transforms us into you. And so, Lord, I pray today, that you would release a greater awareness of that in us and through us. Help us, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, to fill us and equip us for every good work in Jesus' name. If you're sick today, I want to pray for you. You come out the front, and if you've got any pain or anything you want, healing prayer for, come out the front. We want to pray for you. Other than that, we'll throw on a CD. Go out, have a coffee. If you're a visitor, you get a free coffee. Just tell the guys that you're a visitor. Please stay in fellowship for a while and um, have an amazing week. We'd love to see you Wednesday night if you can make it. Bless you.